Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning. Oh, thank goodness. It is Friday. Murray was teasing me yesterday in the studio, sending out an email saying it was Friday yesterday, but it is now actually today. It's the 1st of March, 2024. My nan would have been 89 today. She didn't make it. Very disappointed not to make it to 90. Uh, Another anniversary. Uh, I started, I believe, on Wednesday, the 8th of March on TNT. So I will check that out and it will be my year anniversary for Open Line this month. Uh, Somehow you're still putting up with me and listening to me. Uh, uh, Gemma's not here today, but don't worry, we've got Basil Valentine instead uh, standing in for her. And uh, Rick is going to give a special announcement now on uh, the Mexican peso and its impact on the tourist industry, aren't you, Rick? Yes, if it, just in case, just in case anybody's concerned this morning about the Mexican peso, your holidays, and the collapse of the tourist industry in Central America, you have nothing to fear. There was a rumor spreading around the world yesterday. It caught a lot of people out, suckered a lot of people. Uh, they thought there was an imminent collapse of the uh, Mexican economy. But I'm just happy to report this morning, Natalie, it was all a load of BS, and uh, some yes. uh, Halion started perpetrating that rumor, but with nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. I was just like say I was I was in a very good mood last night and Rick, Rick was uh, teasing us putting out a uh, full story and then didn't tell us so I spent ages uh, uh, researching the Mexican peso and its uh, uh, impact on uh, the dollar and all these type of things until he told me that nothing was going on uh, so thank you very much for that one Rick but we're going to stick to real stories and the truth because that's what we do here at TNT mm-hmm. live uncensored and unscripted uh, we'll start with there's more scary content concrete stories coming out of Scotland. Uh, But I wouldn't be very happy if I was in the home. So it is going to impact 500 homes, 364 council homes. They're saying that three million pound, they're either going to demolish these homes completely. I mean, how safe, unsafe can this concrete possibly be, Rick? And just to give you some more numbers, there are apparently in Scotland 29,572 possibly affected. Well, if it's that serious, why are they all just sitting there at the moment? Was it serious today, not tomorrow or not today? But what's going on? Yeah, this is the thing. You know, is it serious or is it not? If you're telling me, if you came around to my house today and you said, listen, there's a yeah. there's a possibility that this could collapse in your head at any time. We're concerned about it. We're thinking about knocking it down and rebuilding it. I'd say, well, why am I still in it? Uh, if it's really that genuinely concerning, why am I here? Do you not care about me? Is the money not there to do something about it? Or is it just another scare story coming from a local council or coming from a government? So it's either safe or it's not, Natalie. If a, there's a fire in a building, They don't say you might want to hang around until the fire brigade come. You might not want to have anything to worry about. They say, get out. Don't wait around. Don't take all your possessions. Get out and get to a safe place. And then there's a fire assembly point. So the same thing surely should be said about unsafe housing. Literally, if the roof could come in on your head. Well, this is what I'm trying to say. This, there's something that's just not quite right about this story. I mean, to me, if the concrete was that unsafe, and I mean literally it could mean the building could collapse, they should literally be saying evacuate now, today. Mm-hmm. It's unsafe. Mm-hmm. 
they're not they're not doing that and that what we're still saying there might be unsafe concrete in the schools uh, mm. i wouldn't be very happy if i was in 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 one of those houses and what it it just seems to me that they can almost make up any nonsense ne next time is it going to be unsafe roofing next year yeah. you know uh, yeah. are we all going to have to start moving out of our houses uh, uh, you know i just would like to see an independent investigation maybe done into this i'm not sure i i trust the government's wording and uh, research into this one rick no, and again, last year, this was talked about schools could be unsafe, the kids could be harmed, but nothing's been done about that. To my knowledge, no schools have been closed down and no schools have been condemned. No schools have certainly been rebuilt again. The kids are still in there. So you have to ask yourself a question, how serious is this? And if it is genuinely serious, why are the government not doing something about it? So huge question marks over this one, as with most yeah. stories coming uh, from the government. I say it's one of the big uh, three C's, COVID, climate change and concrete. I would have never put concrete up there, but it continues to be a problem. Uh, just a quick pause now before we speak to Basil Valentine here on today's News Talk. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies, we need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning, Basil. Are you concerned about concrete collapsing? Uh, are you going to be okay today? Uh, I've got a problem with concrete in the apartment that I live in, actually, which means that uh, in the worst of these gales, it starts raining inside the flat. Oh, so, no. um, yeah, hopefully that will be rectified. The concrete's not the uh, not the be all and end all, put it that way. Uh, but mm. I'm here this morning to talk about the political earthquake that happened in Britain overnight with the election of George Galloway for the vacant mm. seat of Rochdale. Galloway won a thumping great majority uh, and has really put the cat amongst the pigeons with his workers' party. Uh, he's been attacked already, no surprise, by the defeated Labour Party, uh, who have accused him of stoking fear and division. As an MP, he will be a damaging force, apparently, in our communities and public life. Uh, Galloway, of course, made the genocide in Gaza front and central to his campaign. He could be described as the anti-death candidate, uh, with most of the others from the major parties, of course, supporting the onslaught. Uh, but there was more to Galloway's campaign than that. He also was campaigning to reopen the maternity unit at the hospital because at the moment, you can't be born in Rochdale. Uh, there's well, unless you're born at home, of course, with a with a midwife. Uh, he campaigned to reopen the indoor market, to sort out the town hall, and uh, various other local issues, including uh, organising a consortium to buy Rochdale Football Club, who are long-standing members of the football league, but have got into terrible difficulty. So uh, I'm personally delighted to see George has been elected. Uh, second place went to another independent. Uh, David Tully came second with 6,000. The three so-called main parties came third, fourth and fifth with really derisory numbers of votes. So I think it would be great to see this uh, recreated at a general election. Mm. Positive news, isn't it, for the independents, Rick? 
It, it, it is positive. It's also positive news for Basel because he had a little flutter on George Galloway getting elected at the bookies. I think he got five hey. to one or six to one odds and the odds had shrank substantially. I, so we talked about you cashing in on the bet yesterday and you said, well, you don't you don't celebrate until the horse is over the line. So I'm thinking uh, you're celebrating today, uh, at least in terms of uh, your bookie earnings. Would that be correct? Yeah, I'll, I'll celebrate by going back to bed for the first available opportunity, but I digress. Not many people know much about the uh, Workers' Party of Britain, so uh, if I could just take a moment to uh, read a few items from the front page of its manifesto, doubtless they're getting thousands of hits today. The Workers' Party of Britain is committed to the redistribution of wealth and power in favour of working people. Now, that's what I believe used to be called Clause 4 and was in the Labour Party's constitution until Tony Blair came along. The Workers' Party of Britain is committed to a reversal of policies aimed at deindustrialization and to exploring innovative demands for workers' control and participation in the future of industry through our trade unions. We support the call for a net zero referendum as soon as possible to create a national debate on who profits from these targets and on what terms. We will oppose ULEZ initiatives because of the costs they impose on working households and small businesses. And indeed, it was George's apparent failure to take the climate crisis seriously enough that led somebody to start heckling him and uh, shouting at the uh, speech, you know, when he'd, uh, won, the, when he'd won the seat. Uh, some climate protesters got hot under the collar because they don't think George takes it seriously enough. Mm. Tell me this, uh, Basil. Sorry, Matt, Matt, go ahead. No, I was going to say... I'm thinking uh, about him on Big Brother and uh, uh, being a cat, so I just keep thinking about about that. But they didn't have a (laughs) Labour candidate, did they, for for the Rochdale by-election? Am I right in thinking that that they got got taken out uh, by the uh, Labour Party, didn't they? Uh, well, he he stood uh, as our he ally. Did stand. He was, yeah, he's, he's yes, still he was stood. List, yes, and he was listed on the ballot paper under Labour Party. That was, you know, uh, yeah. but the Labour Party officially withdrew all support right. from him because he oh, said okay. he believed that Israel may have had prior knowledge of the events of October the seventh. This yeah. was somehow interpreted as anti-Semitic, um, and so he was completely disowned by the party. So, so, but his point uh, still reason- got counted. His uh, votes yeah, still he, got he, counted, did they? Okay. Yeah, he got a few. He got a few thousand votes. He came, he came third, which, considering oh, okay. uh, it was a Labour seat, is an extremely poor result. He got about three thousand votes. The Labour Party vote absolutely cratered. Yeah, really hmm. interesting, Rick. What's your take on it? Okay, well, the the whole thing with uh, George Galloway is obviously a very, very polarizing character. Some people love him, some people hate him. He's like um, the Marmite of uh, British politics. Uh, just even the headline strap on this one, Basil uh, Rochdale by-election, controversial left winger Galloway wins after chaotic campaign. He's a maverick. He's an ex-celebrity Big Brother contestant. Uh, no doubt about it. The guy knows how to speak, and the guy knows how to deliver his point. And certainly, uh, he played, uh, you know, the support 
for uh, Palestine uh, brilliantly in this election. Obviously, he was uh, campaigning hard. That was his main focus there. But of course, as you rightly pointed out, uh, he was uh, campaigning for the maternity ward in Rochdale. Uh, he's he's had a, a, a let's just say a, a polarizing uh, opinion on him. Uh, I remember three years ago, four years ago, whenever the lockdowns first came out, he was a massive advocate uh, of lockdowns. He was a massive advocate of the vaccines. Uh, he was uh, lambasting people that didn't support him in that. But of course, uh, at the minute, uh, that's not being looked at. Uh, certainly, it's part of his past, like everybody else. We have a past. The focus very much now in his uh, anti-genocide stance, rightly so, in uh, Palestine. When he gets in, uh, now that he's got his foot in the door, Basil, uh, what can we? What do we think his real focus will be now that he's actually gone and got elected? And we talked about this yesterday as well. Is this the beginning of the House of Cards coming down? The by the by uh, party system at the minute could George be the trigger for that coming down with more independent candidates or smaller parties? Well, I, I would be wonderful if his victory presaged the end of the two-party system. There are going to be a lot more independents standing at the next election and there's an organization called oryx o-r-i-c-s which is backing independent left-wing candidates against sitting labor mps where those mps have been supporters of genocide it turns out genocide isn't very popular who knew uh, in the house of commons uh, galloway who as you say rick is far from perfect you know yes he was mm -hmm. wrong on the jabs wrong on all sorts of things you know it's very hard to find somebody who's right on every single issue but he's a hell of a lot better than the rest of them put it that way you know um he is at least a sort of a colorful character yes but a rounded human being you can talk to him about football and music and you know he's, he's very much a sort of man in the pub type and not one of these identikit uh apparatchik politicians to come out of central office who simply toe the party line and have no meaningful opinions or personality of their own so i expect mm. him to put the cat among the pigeons in the house of commons and to say things that nobody else is saying uh, which will yeah. be very welcome um because uh, you know as we've seen from recent debates on the situation in gaza people are afraid to speak the truth i wonder what will be said about the latest massacre when over 100 people were shot dead in a scrum uh, to try and get some food in northern Gaza. The most awful scenes imaginable unfolded mm. yesterday. So it's hardly surprising that on that day, people voted against genocide. Yeah, we're yeah, going to cover that story in the in the next yeah. hour, I think, as well, Basil. Uh, so, yeah, more to come on that, of course, uh, in Locked and Loaded. So, uh, yeah, many thanks for your input on that one. Matt. Yeah. And uh, we've got to wrap it up here. So thanks to Basil. And he will be back with Rick at Locked and Loaded in the next hour. Uh, we're talking about Bitcoin next here on TNT. TNT's Steve Malzberg. January to November, he visited the home 35 times. Now, I mean, this is this is insane, of course. Uh, they say the relationship started in 2022. So what was he doing visiting our home 35 times or that proximity where her home was that the, the records apparently reportedly show that he would get there late and stay late leave her early in the morning like four in the morning at some sometimes uh call her when he gets home that kind of thing which indicates to the average person a relationship steve malsberg on today's news talk tnt affordable housing we can build that 
Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we are coming at you live here this morning, Friday, the 1st of March, 2024. This is TNT. This is Open Line, and we're very happy to be joined this morning for the first time, at least on this show, by none other than Dr. Roger Gwalb. He is a business, finance, consumer, economic news and trends expert, and you can check him out on his website, which is campaignforfairfinance.org. Welcome to the show this morning, Roger, at Bitcoin uh, you're welcome. Bitcoin is uh, on everybody's lips this morning. Some people have been aware of this thing for a very, very long time. Some people are very skeptical about it, but I'll tell you one thing. There's some canny investors out there that are rubbing their hands together in glee at the minute as it starts to approach all-time highs. What's the big hullabaloo about Bitcoin this weather? I don't think there's any particular... Um factor that's driven it up it's very volatile i mean mm. people talk about two or three different factors but you never know um i i think when you talk about skepticism about bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies um there is justifiable justifiable skepticism rick because first of all um you've got a currency uh, if you will which isn't backed by anything other than computer code. Uh, now, with the exception of, of things that are called um, stable coins, where they're actually backed by a particular government's uh, currency and reserves. So there's a few of those, a number of those around. But uh, like Bitcoin, I mean, it's, it's backed up by computer code. So uh, it's not backed by gold. It's not backed by... Uh, fiat as they call it you know real government money in the bank etc but then you know neither neither is the Aussie dollar or the American dollar it's it's backed by the the government but here there's no government there's no there's no regulator effectively so that's that's quite a risk it's always been perceived as such the um second risk <clears throat> is that um you've got it uh, let me explain Bitcoin you know, all of this crypto stuff was set up um, essentially to to defy the system um, and, you know, have a decentralized system. We don't want banks anymore. We don't want exchanges. We don't want government intervention. We don't want middlemen um, raking off a huge uh, whack of every deal. We want to deal with, with each other directly. 
And by using uh, what they call a distributed ledger, in other words, uh, thousands of computers all linked together on the blockchain, as it's called, it is a way of recording things that can't really be tampered with, um, at, at least, you know, not as easily as hacking can occur otherwise. So mm -hmm. everybody said, oh, this is going to be really safe because Rick and I can do a trade in cryptocurrency and nobody can interfere with it. And there's no no good Nick bank or exchange in the middle. Well, like most good plans, uh, it went awry because the biggest things in the market that developed were crypto exchanges, um, which became, you know, billion trillion dollar things, and many of which uh, went spectacularly broke and lost all the investors' money. Mm. So uh, uh, that is a, a, a another big risk with it. And the third risk, of course, was that you're dealing with people you don't know, a lot of cowboys. Now, I'm sorry this is a bit long-winded, but the final point is this. I think what's driving things to a certain extent is that some very big investment houses, some very big uh, wealth managers, I, I won't mention their names, but you know, people that you see on TV all the time, let us manage your money, have started to introduce um, ETFs, exchange-traded funds, um, mutual funds, unit trusts, whatever you want to call them, where people can buy crypto. And that's a really big driver because that's eliminating all the gobbledygook and computer geek nonsense with wallets and code and stuff that you have to go through to own crypto. Here, you can buy a share in the exchange-traded fund the same as you can buy a share in an ETF that trades fertilizer or, or you know, Rice Krispies. It's really uncomplicated. And it also eliminates the risk of dealing with all the cowboys and unlicensed crazy people because these are big firms that are, you know, not going to rip off their customers, at least not too much. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, you can feel safe. So I think that's probably one of the big drivers. Roger, there's a there's a danger at the minute that I can see uh, with all investments, there's risk. Okay, there's risk with cash in the bank. There's risk if you invest in property. There's risk if you invest in uh, stocks and shares. There's risk if you invest in cryptocurrency or even gold or precious metals. Everything can go up and everything can go down. But crypto in particular, uh, I think the danger with this is, personally speaking, is a lot of people have no idea what it actually is. And you've done very well to outline it briefly, how it operates, generally speaking. But a lot of people, I think, think at the minute are hearing this name, Bitcoin, they're seeing a bandwagon, they're seeing something that's surging in price at the minute. And then there's that fear of missing out where people could start piling in at this point in time. And of course, it could go to $100,000 per Bitcoin. But then again, it could drop back to where it was last year, which is 20,000. And if you look at the uh, cycle over the last two years, around about two years ago, it was sitting at this level, then it dropped, it lost two thirds of its value. And then it's came back up astronomically, it's tripled in price. So it's a roller coaster out there. And I think it's fair to say, I used to work in the investment business myself, and there was an old slogan that we had. And it was, if you can see the bandwagon, it's too late uh, to jump onto it. However, having said that, who knows where this thing can go? It's Maybe that's the excitement factor too, don't you think? A lot of uh, closet gamblers out there are saying, well, I want to roll the bones with uh, cryptocurrency. Maybe it'll go to the moon or maybe I'll end up in the gutter, but it gives them a bit of a rush investing in such a volatile uh, vehicle, don't you think? Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think you said it absolutely perfectly. That's exactly it. I think that these big, in other words, these big firms, these big investment houses, 
they're not going to let this fail like it has been doing previously. So the volatility uh, may reduce a bit, but the risk of the thing going, you know, uh, pear-shaped is probably less because they've, they've got their own holdings in this stuff as well. But at the same time, uh, as you've just said, you're, you know, they're going to take a lot of the upside for doing that. And you're not going to get quite the same uh, Wild West overnight gains that you can. But hey, I mean, it, it, it's, as you say, it's as good an investment as anything else. Maybe, well, maybe not quite, uh, but it's, it's as good as anything else in the sense that it can probably still go up more than other things which raise gradually. Mm. Natalie, uh, just bring you in on this one. I know you like a little flutter uh, on the sports betting. I don't know if you're a big crypto head or not, uh, but is this talk of risk and big gains getting you slightly excited? Are you tempted uh, to dip your toe in the crypto pool today? No, I, I'm not. And I was really interested um, in, in what uh, Roger's been saying because I, I, it just has never appealed to me. Uh, you know, it, it's too much like, you know, uh, central bank digital currencies, everything being linked to the internet. I'm very cynical of everything, uh, uh, kind of a, all being in one place. Uh, but I can understand if other people want to do it. Um, every, as you say, every investment um, has a risk. I did read an article saying they want to make it more accessible to casual investors. Uh, so my, you know, I think that, uh, I, I don't know what you, what you all, so uh, would agree, uh, Roger, that if we probably are going to see it increase for a while at least, uh, and then uh, uh, maybe things will go wrong again. But I've seen a lot of people online for a while have, have had Bitcoin and crypto and be moaning that it hasn't been doing anything for years. So uh, we shall see, Roger. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that um, the people who have been playing with it for years now are not the customers that these big wealth management firms and banks are looking for. They're looking for people uh, like you, you know, who say, eh, I can't be bothered. This is also complicated, but uh, gee, if all I have to do is buy a share, like a share of anything else, that's fine. But you did, if I may pick you up, conflate crypto with CBDCs, uh, central yeah. bank uh, currencies, which is a completely different thing. I mean, CBD yeah. CBDCs use the blockchain, but that that's where the similarity with crypto ends. They're, they're not the same thing. And a lot of people... Uh, particularly conspiracy uh, theorists, uh, with 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 which, given our government here in the UK and 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 the states and elsewhere, I'm deluged with these more and more every day. These people say that central bank digital currencies will take over our lives, and you know you'll get a text saying, "Uh-uh, no, no, Natalie, you can't have that. You had a handbag last month. You know, use the one you've got." And they'll be controlling us. That's the danger with CBDCs. The danger with crypto, uh, before these big guys took over the market or a big part of it, is that you know you'd have a Sam Bankman Freed, and you'd have you know a huge part of your savings in a multi gazillion dollar fund, and then all of a sudden the next day uh, it was swimming with the crayfish in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's an thank incredible. Thank you for explaining it properly. Yeah, I think that in a nutshell, uh, CBDCs are centralized. Crypto, by their design, are supposed to be decentralized, although they use the same types of platform. But then again, listen, uh, it's it's not always going to be a Ron Seal product. We call it here. You know that Ron Seal wood still where it says it sure, does exactly sure. what it says sure. on the tin. So time will tell if uh, crypto is in fact a Ron Seal product or if it is uh, in bed 
at least at the other side of the bed with the CBDCs. Yeah. But time will tell. Uh, Roger, we're up to time in this one. Fascinating conversation. Uh, yeah, something we uh, we do touch upon from time to time. And hopefully, if it hasn't been too traumatic for you, uh, we'll get you back on the show uh, to keep us up to date with these uh, things that are going on in the finance world. Uh, so, Mr. Dr. Roger Gwolb, uh, many thanks to you for joining us here this morning. And uh, yeah, check out his website, Campaign for Fair Finance. Org. So we've got to take a little break right now for the headlines. And when we come back at the other side, we've got Blake Lovewell. So please stay tuned for more here on TNT, today's news talk. Now, TNT Radio News. Show them how it's done. Let's go. I, I got news for you. Yeah. News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Russian President Vladimir Putin has warned the US and NATO are flirting with nuclear war by floating the idea of sending Western troops into Ukraine. The UN has warned more than half a million people are just one step away from famine in Gaza, with many now surviving off animal feed. And Donald Trump has taken a swipe at Democrats, accusing them of engaging in a dirty disinformation campaign to divert attention away from Joe Biden's cognitive decline. The common housefly caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, don't forget, you can phone in at the end of the show and also get on our online chat. Uh, and back now is our legend that is Blake Lovewell. He's an independent financial journalist, uh, cryptocurrency researcher. Uh, we've just had obviously been talking about that and uh, regular TNT contributor. And he's here to talk about uh, the UK economy, the global economy, job losses. They are coming uh, thick and fast. Sainsbury's yesterday announced they are cutting 1,500 hundred jobs. Uh, earlier this week, we had Sony, 900 jobs. The Body Shop are closing 75 stores, 489 jobs. Before that, we had John Lewis, Morrison's, Wilco's gone bust. It seems one after the other and the next. Blake, what's going on? What does this mean uh, for us, for the UK globally? Uh, what's going on? Well, I'd love to come on. Hello, everyone. Nice to see you all. Hi. Um, I'd love to come on and uh, say that the uh, sky is falling. It will make for good headlines. And certainly most of the headlines you can find on the Sainsbury story, they lead with the 1500 jobs cut. Um, and, you know, it looks like another classic, oh, another corporation that we all uh, valued and trusted in our economy going down the pan. Um, however, uh, digging much deeper into Sainsbury's own documents, I found that they, uh, they're doing these job cuts because they wish to cut uh, and save one billion. And obviously, when you uh, want to save money, one of the quickest and easiest ways is to just cut staff. Um, it's a massive expense and it's something you can just write off and reorganize the system. Um, but it's not because Sainsbury's is in any sort of problem, even though most corporate giants have uh, substantial debt um, and with interest rates going up, that debt is obviously becoming much more expensive to tender. 
Um, but Sainsbury's are doing fine. And in hard economic times, which I think we could justifiably say that now these are hard economic times, people go to the supermarket more than their local grocery, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, where there's a bit of a, a premium for quality. But, you know, the quality goes, uh, that's one of the first thing that's cut too. So everyone would rather go to their Audi, their Sainsbury's, Tesco in the UK, uh, your, maybe your Walmarts in America, and they're doing just fine. Sainsbury's bottom line is constantly rising. So this isn't because because they're losing money, this is a reorganization within um, the Sainsbury system. Um, the vast majority of these job cuts are in customer service, this big layer, they say, of middle management. Uh, they want to um, make more efficient, which is kind of good to hear because the middle ma management layer has become a bit of a problem in lots of bureaucracies around the world, be they governments um, or, or corporations, um, just absorbing money and time and not getting anything productive done. Um, they're moving most of this customer service to a third party. And they actually said that most of these jobs will be recycled to that third party. So I liken this to uh, a conservative uh, privatization where they're basically outsourcing a service to a private company that will charge a lot less to provide the service. It'll probably be a much worse service. So if you have to take something back to Sainsbury's or call their customer helpline, you'll be going through to somebody in India probably, or you know it'll be a lot more complicated and slow, uh, long-winded. Um, um, and they, uh, this money, this one billion pounds, which they're claiming they'll save, uh, they've, I quote here, that they will invest in tech and AI. Um, so we can look forward to more robots, more cameras, uh, more, um, you know, scan your barcode to enter the shop. Um, a more digital and less human future with Sainsbury. So I, for one, probably won't be going there as much. But um, it's not all doom and gloom in, <clears throat> in terms of UK jobs. There are places where the economy is hurting, though. Um, maybe we can move on to those, um, particularly uh, in Mexico, as uh, I've done a lot of research on the uh, Mexican peso. Um, and, well, it's very interesting. It's actually interesting because it's, you know, you, you often look at what's on the headlines. Uh, what what is the big news today? You know, we've got this Sainsbury's car, whatever. No one's looking at, at Mexico, but you know, it's a story that could be brewing. And and I found some interesting act actual trends. If you want, um, there's yeah. a lot of uh, what's called reshoring Brilliant. in the USA. They're they're bringing uh, the USA is bringing a lot of um, their factories and, and industry back to America because China is ascendant. Their uh, relationship with China isn't as good because America's just burning all the bridges it's got around the world. Um, so they're looking to relocate industry back in the USA. Um, and, you know, Mexico is basically part of the USA at this point, what with the open border, but also with uh, open trade arrangements. So it's very cheap for uh, an American company to locate its factory in Mexico, just across the border, and then ship the goods just up there rather than across the Pacific Ocean. Um, so Mexico is actually seeing big investment. There's a, a multi-billion dollar deal with Tesla, also a five billion dollar deal with Amazon Web Services to provide, um, you know, web services there. So it's kind of a, a good deal for Mexico right now, being the neighbor having been um, destroyed by uh, the failed NAFTA project, the North American Free Trade Area project, um, and taken advantage of uh, cheap labor for so long. I think Mexico is now ascendant, um, and what that means for tourism. Um, <laughs> 
it means that the Mexican peso might actually become stronger and it won't be such a cheap place to go to for your um, cocktails and uh, whatever sort of uh, tourism you're into going south of the border there. Um, but yeah, that's one to watch. And, and Mexico also are preparing to cut their interest rates. And, and that interest rate argument is something that's going on around the world. Um, whoever's going to be the first to pull the trigger on the rate cuts will be, uh, you know, the one to watch. So yeah, that's that's Mexico. So is yeah, it safe so to say then that is it safe to say then that the rumors that were doing the rounds on the internet yesterday that the peso was on the verge of collapse and the tourist industry was about to fall into the abyss within a space of weeks? Is it safe to say that that was utter BS? I would say that falls into the, the category of miss and dis, I like to call it, misinformation and disinformation, which unfortunately is rife on the internet. But here in TNT, oh, yeah. we like to um, steer the like ship to... back to a straight course uh, and, and yeah. put those rumors uh, to bed. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Thanks, and, and thanks. What a way to do yep. it. Yeah, thanks for that one, Rick, for uh, putting that one out there. Um, we were talking about earlier in the week, Blake, about uh, Sony uh, losing uh, the 900 jobs. Uh, similar mm -hmm. to what you were saying about Sainsbury's, it seems to me it's mm -hmm. almost like damage limitation, like streamlining. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's it's almost kind of preventing them from any future loss uh, and, and changing yeah. things. And obviously that will affect uh, people's employment in the UK, but it's not necessarily affecting the profits of the companies themselves. Would that be true? Yeah. Yeah, totally, Natalie. You're right on the money. Um, it, these companies are not uh, foolish. Um, they have people working in their sort of futures department trying to predict the future and then hedge the assets of the corporation on that. Um, not that anyone has a real stake in a company anymore. They're not small business holders that rely on it. They're just kind of um, helicopter parachuted into a company. They'll reorg and then move on and it will be a nice line on their LinkedIn profile. But yeah, they, they don't really care about uh, the people or even the service. But yeah, Sony cutting jobs it's not because sony's bottom line is hurting they are reorganizing and and what we're seeing now um nvidia is booming it's the number one stock to buy right now it's the one that's holding up the whole stock market and nvidia's biggest product is um chips and ai and specifically ai chips chips that can grind huge computations which people predict to be the future you know there's a whole ai craze i for one am not um welcoming of our new ai overlords um but uh Lots of people see it as uh, in this desperate economic environment, the one place where you can safely put money to predict the future that AI will be the next big thing. Uh, I think AI is already here. I don't think it's that impressive. And I think that the NVIDIA bubble will burst. Um, but Sony, like many other corporations, will be reorganizing. They'll be giving some jobs to AI or their own um, you know, computing processes in-house. In They'll be cutting the jobs because they're a massive liability. Humans are fallible. Um, and so I think we'll see this trend all over the place. Uh, similarly, one big expense, not just uh, staff, is uh, the land that the uh, that the companies hold for offices. Um, we had a headline yesterday, a Canadian pension fund sold a Manhattan office tower for $1. Um, obviously, if you buy it for $1, you're also taking on the liability of the massive debt, the huge mortgage that they took out. And now that that mortgage is not at 0% interest, it's booming up to 5%. Uh, it's more of a liability than an asset. But these Canadian pension 
pension funds kind of rule the world in in some way. They're, they're some of the biggest um, asset holders other than BlackRock and stuff like that. They hold retail and um, uh, residential property all over the world. They they own tech warehouses in India. They own Australian um, farmland. They own everything. And they're reorganizing because they see um, the massive uh, increase in, in debt liabilities. And, and what this is going to cause is a bit of a fire sale where w- one after another of these big um, tower blocks is going to go up for sale because uh, nobody can afford to tender the debt. And um, that's going to be a problem because, you know, what with the work from home, uh, you know, type of trend, um, there's going to be uh, nobody going into offices. All these offices that were built really quickly in 0% interest environment, they're totally untenable. I mean, the people who built them were being very reckless. They just sold it, you know, and and this is kind of what I'm saying uh, is happening all over the place in that zero interest uh, environment that we had from 2009 till uh, last couple of years. Um, any investment was good. Any building project was fine because you, you're basically getting free money to build it. You're earning that money back very easily. Um, so unfortunately, a lot of money and effort will have been wasted and uh, human uh, endeavor has been um, you know, harmed in, in that process. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to see a lot more of these type of things. Businesses looking like they're going bust and selling off their offices and cutting jobs, but actually they're just reorganizing so the vultures can have the real assets for themselves. Mm. So that yeah, the rich get richer. Possibly the poor end up getting poorer. Uh, is is what I kind of took from that. Rick, do you want to finish what this one up now uh, and summarize? Yeah, just a, just a, just a, interesting what you're saying there, Blake. As well, Natalie and I have been covering. We covered the Sony story this week. We've talked about the Sainsbury's. Tata Steel was another one. A uh, very yeah. important point that you made, Blake, is that they're not restructuring as such because they're in financial difficulties. They're restructuring because they're being more ruthless with their profiteering. And Sainsbury's, for example, it's not because they're going broke that they're closing. They're getting rid of the middle management. But also, you said they were reinvesting a lot of these uh, savings into AI and technology as well, which is investing, I believe, for the removal of humans, possibly a little bit down the road. So you're right to point that out. Uh, it's not uh, scaremongering as such. They're not in uh, about to go bust. But what they are doing is they're becoming more ruthless and greedy and reinvesting their savings, not in humans, but in AI and tech mm-hmm. and not the Mexican peso. So yeah, Unfortunately that's all I have not. to say about that one. Mm-hmm. But good, good, nice to bring the peso into the conversation this morning because uh, we can't ignore Mexico at our narrow should we ignore mexico and and we Uh, promise we will keep you updated uh here on today's news talk and blake (laughs) will come back i'm sure to talk about the mexican pay so soon uh because we will we 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 don't want to miss anything that's going going on over there no it's not going away thank you ever so much blake uh we look forward to uh, hearing from you again soon and we've got more stories to cover here at today's news talk after the break see you later with his expert analysis and opinion. This is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. These people are evil. First they lie, and no, no, the jab is safe and effective. You have to take it because it's safe and effective. It's for the greater good. And then they'll deny that people that were injured were injured by the jab, which was so safe and effective. And now when they're finally forced to admit, yeah, your paralysis, it's from the mod RNA, gene therapy injection but we're going to make it up to you the doctors in canada say to the paralyzed woman we're going to allow you to opt for euthanasia i'm not making that up go check out the story with these people all roads lead to death they are a death cult 
on a mission of spreading death far and wide. They want to kill people. They want to kill as many people as possible. They're on record as saying they want no more than 500 million people on Earth. The only problem, we have 7.5 billion people on Earth. They want to get rid of 7 billion people, and they're doing it slowly but surely. They need to be stopped, and they need to be stopped now. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. But the danger to animals the world over is growing, and the need for your help has never been more urgent. On land, you'll help stop poachers from threatening and killing elephants and big cats for the illegal wildlife trade. In the oceans, you'll help rescue dolphins, whales, and seals from deadly hazards. And you'll help rescue, rehabilitate, and release vulnerable animals when disasters strike. Here at home and around the world, we can't do this work without you. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. Be on the lookout and alert for anything out of the ordinary. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you for your cooperation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, we are back. Don't forget, you can call in. Uh, be brave. We'd love to hear your voice. Um, uh, we've got lots of positive stories we could cover, Rick. Uh, number of children vanishing from school, roughly sleeping going up 27%. The world's oldest cinema is closing its doors. And uh, organ donors in, in the uh, uh, island and the law is changing. I don't know. Where do you want to start today? Well, I'm just, I'm just looking at this one here about the number of children vanishing from school rises by almost a quarter. You know, that's a, a typical... Sky News headline, what what are they being abducted by aliens or are they literally <laughs> vanishing in a puff of smoke? Let's get to the bottom of this one. So it says nearly 120,000 youngsters were classed as children missing education or CME in the 2022-2023 academic year where 94,000 were in this category in 2021-2022. So that's a massive jump, Natalie. It's about a 30% increase almost uh, from one year to the other of children missing education. Uh, obviously, the education authorities are expressing concern about this. They're coming out with the old strap line of oh, the kids aren't in school, they're gonna fall behind in their studies. The reality of this is schools are targeted on their absentee rates uh, yeah. and they could lose funding based on this. So be under no illusion about this. There's no, in my opinion, uh, it's not about concern for children missing their education. It's the fact that the schools are being hammered uh, by their own uh, uh, regulators on this one or their own boards of governors in this one and could lose funding about this one. Let's be under no illusion about that. No, I just think this whole article, like you said, obviously, you know, you wouldn't expect anything different from the mainstream media, uh, media is uh, kind of manipulating uh, the reader because, uh, yes, it was on Sky News, but it doesn't say anything about lockdowns. It doesn't say anything about the strikes. It doesn't say that children weren't in school for a long time. That None of that has been covered. Um, and it says, by law, councils have to take all reasonable steps to find these youngsters, but many remain missing for long periods. Well, a lot of these children didn't even go to school for a year or, or two. No wonder they're not back in school. Uh, but uh, 
Well, the other thing uh, is that fines are now increasing. So in order to, to solve this apparent problem of missing children in school, uh, they've said that they're going to increase uh, the fines. It comes on the day the government's announced further measures to tackle high level of school abstinence. The cost of a fine now will raise from 60 to £80 pound if paid within 21 days, Rick, and from 120 to 160 if paid within 28 days. So again, parents being punished but hold on a minute it was okay for the government to close schools for for you know on and off for years however many school strikes but god forbid you take your child out maybe for a well-needed holiday for their mental health you're you're gonna get charged a fault for it how how is it okay for the government to do it but not if you're a parent yeah and that's an important point as well you know what about those uh, 18 months to two years in some cases that kids were kept out of school and uh, they were told that they had to do their lessons virtually uh, and when they started uh, school it was like i remember when my daughter started her secondary school you know a letter was given out for every day that the child misses it can result in drop grades it can result in this just one day one week miss could make all the difference and then they shut the doors down uh, and they kept all the kids at home for the best part of 18 months uh, under extreme psychological conditions as well by the way uh, and you remember the whole kerfuffle where the, the, the GCSEs and the A-levels they didn't even sit the exams that year they give them virtual grades and there was a whole hullabaloo about that as well complete stress for the kids complete stress for the parents as well uh, having to educate their children from home become de facto teachers as well and then they have the audacity to turn around and talk about CMEs children missing from education they were responsible for a hundred percent of children missing education for over a year, but they don't uh, they don't mention that one. No, but and and that, that's it's not even mentioned in the article. That's what I'm saying, and this is will really wind you up. Mm -hmm. The Department for Education spokesman said, "We are committed to ensuring that all children, especially the most vulnerable in our society, are safe and have access to an excellent education." Well, as we just said, well, if that's the truth, if why did you take them out of school for nearly two years mm -hmm. on and off? And allow all those strikes. So how it's not, it's simply not true. It's just a load of rubbish. So it's blame the parents, basically, is what they're doing. Blame and find the parents rather than take any accountability for their own actions. Uh, we see that a lot, don't we, Rick? We do, and it would nice, wouldn't it be nice to see a reverse fine being applied by the parents to the schools and to the government? Yeah. So if you're going to charge me, for example, uh, yeah. 80 quid or 60 quid a week or however the fine accrues, if I don't have my kids in school, well, how about we reverse fine the government for needlessly closing schools? Complete waste of time and money had no benefit whatsoever, didn't stop the spread of any so-called virus, didn't prevent granny from dying, keeping the kids out of school. Should we not be able to retrospectively go back and say, well, you kept my son or daughter out of school for a year and a half, so I'm going to take 80 quid a week, multiply that by, you know, 65, 75 weeks, and then I'm going to apply interest to it as well, because this happened three years ago. Uh, surely we should be able to do that if they can find us for uh, our kids missing school now. Well wouldn't that be brilliant? Can't we just fight? Can't the parents start pining, uh, fining for every uh, strike day mm -hmm. and uh, things like that? So I've I, I got a feeling they'd stop allowing the strike days then uh, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't be uh, more inclined to shut the schools when there's a storm or or tell you you have to uh, work online. Everything would change then, wouldn't it, if the shoe was mm -hmm. on the other foot? Uh, but another story here, which is very sad, rough sleeping in England is up by 27% uh, charities claiming... The 
the figures are truly shameful. Um, over seven, uh, 78,000 households as well are facing homelessness on top of that. Nearly 4,000 people were believed to be sleeping rough on England on a single night last autumn. Um, a charity saying this is the largest annual increase since 2015 when records uh, uh, began uh, from 2010. Uh, really uh, sad state of affairs. Uh, a housing charity shelter are saying the government uh, have failed to get a grip on this crisis and failed its manifesto because they said they wanted to end rough sleeping by 2024. Well, they've done the opposite. It's increasing. It's getting worse. Um, and more people are on the edge of homelessness, Rick. It is not a good state of affairs. And maybe that's a good re and another reason why so many people aren't in school. They're struggling mm. to even have a roof over their head, let alone an education. Mm. Yeah, and this is against the backdrop as well. These figures are crazy. Uh, 4,000 rough sleepers. And then, uh, the, so the increase, 4,000 is bad enough, but that's up 27%. Huge amount uh, of people uh, increased in that. 80,000 potentially households facing homelessness. So we're not talking about individuals. We're talking about potentially, you know, uh, a man and a woman plus uh, one or two kids in there to make up a household. So it's that 80,000, you could multiply that possibly by four to account for children and partners partners as well. That could be another 300,000 people are homeless imminently. But yet, yeah. the money's there to invest in the ULES schemes. The money's there to send billions to Ukraine. The money's there uh, to fund what's going on in the Middle East, the defense budget and everything else. This 37 billion on test and trace. The amount of money being spaffed up the wall, painting rainbow crossings in local uh, council uh, areas and hospitals. It's disgusting, Natalie, and these the, we should never have to report on a story like this because the money is there to remove this problem overnight. And I appreciate homelessness is a complicated issue. Not every homeless person wants to come off the streets. Some people are suffering from mental health issues. But what I'm saying is, in principle, in principle, there's enough money there to remove every homeless sleeper from the streets of Britain tonight. If it can put 100,000, 200,000 so-called refugees up in hotels, they're not sleeping rough on the streets in England, but yet 4,000 English people are. There's something seriously wrong. I think my analysis of the show, Rick, today, when we think, you know, we've talked to our two guests today uh, who were financial experts, one about talking about people investing in Bitcoin, making money, mm -hmm. about big corporate companies streamlining to make mm -hmm. more profits. So you've got that one end. And now we're talking about on the other end, this massive poverty gap where it's the, you know, people and the children who are suffering the most, who've got the least money. It's all nearly yeah. coming from poor families, people barely even being able to keep a roof over their head. That's the that's the seriousness in the world at the mm -hmm. moment of this poverty gap that is increasing mm -hmm. uh, day by day, it seems, between the rich and the poor. And also, uh, I didn't make the point because I don't have actual figures here, but when you said about the fines that were being levied on people, you know, for the kids missing from school, I don't have the demographical breakdown, but I would say I would hazard a, a rough, a, an educated guess to say that the people that are being fined for kids missing school are the people that could maybe afford least to pay those fines. So you're not going to get that in the, you know, the upper middle classes or the, the high rollers. Their kids aren't going to be missing school. They're probably going to be put into private education at the cost of tens of thousands of pounds per year. It's the it's the people that are struggling, possibly, uh, that are having to pay those fines. And then they can get, fines, be taken to court. And, they can get, and get they can this be taken is, to court. Correct, this correct. Is, this so, is what I mean. It's this massive gap. There's, there's is. Just, you know, there always has been a problem with this, but I think more so than ever in my lifetime, I seem to think it, it mm. literally getting increasing day mm. by day in front of my eyes, Rick. Mm. 
Yep. And even the even that business that we're talking about with Blake as well, you know, the point is being made. Sainsbury's aren't cutting all these uh, jobs and cutting uh, shutting places down because they're 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 struggling financially. They're not. And it's the same with Sony. Uh, the computer game industry is booming. Tata Steel's another one, the biggest uh, steel company booming. in the world, possibly an Indian country, but they're closing jobs. Uh, uh, places down in Wales. Why? Because they want to increase their profit margins even more. I understand that if you're a business, you want to be as profitable as you can. But the people that benefit from that are the shareholders and the people that suffer from that are the employees, the people that actually need to keep their local economies propped up. So the vice is tightening, Natalie, and without a shadow of a doubt, the last four years, I think, has seen one of the biggest transfers of wealth in history uh, from people that cannot afford to lose money into the hands of people that don't need any extra money and it seems to be continuing day after day. It does. And I can't agree uh, more. Uh, That's exactly happening. And a little story before we've got to go. The UK oldest work in cinema is closing its doors. Just another sign of the times. Uh, So, yeah, from 1909, uh, the Electric Cinema in Birmingham, it's shutting its doors. So, yeah, go out there and enjoy yourself. Go, you know, go Mm. go spend your money in the economy. Go have fun. Go live in the real world. Because everything we've said today, you know, with with the way the world is, uh, life is short. Uh, go enjoy it uh, it's the weekend for me now it's Friday I am certainly going to go go and have some fun but don't uh, forget to li- ri- carry on listening to Rick at Locked and Loaded his weekend has not finished yet um, no. and uh, yeah <laughs> poor Rick no it's alright yeah, yeah, he'll have a great time on Locked and Loaded um, I'm going to go uh, what am I going to do I don't know I'm going to just go and have fun uh, you do the same and uh, bye Murray as well in the studio bye bye from me go enjoy go enjoy